High five three people before you sit down. Or we'll take your chair away. High five people. Tell them they look good. You've been working out? All right. Hey, I'm Pastor Corey. If we haven't met yet, my lovely wife, Pastor Aaron. Come meet us after church. Um, we have Pizza with Pastors in two weeks. If you've never been for uh, Pizza with Pastors, it's totally free. Scan the QR code. We want to get you hooked up into church a little bit more. Um, and if you haven't done that, you should do that. And it's pizza. And it's free. So all the men are coming. Um, you know, Sean, I was thinking about this. We have done three services as a church before in a, a much smaller building. Um, I don't know if anybody remembers COVID. Someday I'm going to meet somebody that's like COVID. I don't know what that is. And I'm going to be like, we're best friends. Um, we were at 15% capacity, one five. And we had to go to three services. Uh, we have to go to three services now because we are at 130% capacity. So look what the Lord has done. I didn't lose my mind in COVID. That's a big deal. And the Lord was gracious to all of us because I didn't do that. So thank you, Lord, for leading us and guiding us. Uh, we have a baptism coming up in next week. Next week. 33 people. 33 people going public with their faith. 33. That's incredible. Uh, if you want to see me emotional, I hate crying, everybody. I will be crying that entire service. It hits me so hard. It's why we came we just love people. And if you're here and you're new to us, just get to know us. We're a little bit crazy. I'm just going to leave it there. Um, do, you guys, do you guys like my new jacket? So here's the funny thing about this. Uh, Anya and Adozi, where are they? Are they here? Well, I know that one of them's here because she's hosting the... A, they like, I don't know, this is like a custom Nigerian jacket or something. And I feel bad because I'm always making fun of Nigerians for coming to the late services. But our first service was full of Nigerians. And I'm like, they killed me with kindness. And that's on me. I love you guys. Thank you for the jacket. I um, wasn't allowed to wear it in the last series, but I'm like, well, they're going to be mad if I don't wear the jacket. Um, but I was told in no uncertain terms that it didn't match the branding on the wall behind me. I'm like, I just want people to go to heaven. But does it match now? Okay. <laughs> All right, this sermon's going to be an interesting one. Um, also, thank you for the work bee yesterday and the men's breakfast was incredible. If you missed it, that's on you. Uh, we now can check kids in inside the building. We're going to have another from the lobby. We're still building one more door through. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We can now go straight into Elamonk without going outside. Incredible. Awesome. Okay, um, I'm going to start this sermon, thank you, Sean, by telling you the, the most embarrassing story of my childhood. And my childhood was uh, blessed with many to choose from. There's all my embarrassing stories, and I've got like a hundred of them. And then there's the story that's more embarrassing than any other story, times a hundred, that I want to share with, with you all today. Uh, we used to live in Los Angeles when I was a kid. And um, so I grew up, can I just say this? I grew up, because I'm going to tell you that, I, I, I'm going to tell you the title of the sermon a little later so you don't get mad. Um, I grew up in a rare home that taught me about um, the control you have over your mood. So that was rare for me. If you grew up in your home, you probably didn't get taught that like I got taught in my home. I'm going to teach it to you today because everybody's like, I wish that I had your dad. Pastor Richard and Pastor Beth, I mean, they're serving. 
They're, they're retired now, but we call them pastors out of respect. But I mean, if you met, they're like, you meet my dad and you're like, I need to borrow your dad. And I'm like, I'm good. I've had him for a long time. I'm great. You can borrow my dad. Cause some of y'all didn't grow up with dads. Now everybody's like, I wish I had your dad. And I'm like, wait till you hear this story. Because everybody's like, I wish I had your dad. I'm like, eh. okay, you ready? Um, so I was, uh, I had a bit of a, like an, an impatience and maybe like an anger problem, uh, spurred on by my brother's wickedness as a child, my little brother, who's the oldest sibling right here. You get it. You get it. You get it. Um, and I remember, so we had a family coming over and this family was, I, I heard the car door, you know, open and shut. And we looked out of our, our, our windows were on the front of the house, right? So there was like our bedroom, Ryan and I, and then the, the entry was like a doorway away, right? So door entry. And I remember looking out the front window and our guests had arrived. Now our guests were, I have no idea who the parents are because I didn't care because they had two hot daughters. <laughs> and when you're like seven or eight, every girl is kind of hot and f- freaks you out. And so I'm like, okay, okay, best behavior, best behavior, best behavior. <laughs> Ryan's looking at me like, do we know what that is? Okay, best behavior, best, okay. In the time it took them, 10 or 20 seconds to get from the car up the sidewalk and into the front entry, my brother had uh, been empowered by Satan to find a way to get me angry about something. And then he did what little brothers do is that they bolt. And I'm like, stop, I want to lay hands and pray for you. And he's like, he bolts. So he's out the door and I'm hot on his heels behind him. And so like, he's out in the entry. I'm out in the entry. The only difference was he was wearing clothes and I was in my birthday suit. He was ahead of me in changing clothes and I had somehow forgotten that I wasn't wearing clothes and that the hot girls were in the entry now. (laughs) Try to unsee that. Now, if I grew up in your home, I would go back in my room and you would be on the phone with a counselor and you would pull me from school because I wouldn't be able to face anybody. And I, in the very least, I would be allowed to mope around for about a month or two just to get over it, right? Um, do we have any child psychologists in the house? I don't know. Like, what do you even say to a kid like that? Um, trauma. You know, you're just talking about trauma. So here's the thing. Having my dad, I had to come out and eat dinner with these people in like five or 10 minutes. I had time to go back and rethink my life, try to hang myself with my shoelaces, didn't work. Listen, a horrible experience for a child. And I had to, are you ready? I had to get over it. Now that was called parenting back then. Now it's called child abuse. That was just like, boy, get over it. Because he didn't want the thing to beat me and me never be able to face these people. So, like, what do you do? Now you're sitting at the table. Like, you're wearing clothes, obviously. So you're like... Anybody see that naked kid run through the house? That kid looks just like me. You see that? Incredible. I don't know. I don't know where he went. What, what an idiot. We know that he's an idiot. 
That's a tough lesson when you're seven. It's a tougher lesson when you're 47. Now, I'm preaching this sermon to you. This is called Frank and Jesus Part 2. Frank and Jesus is a series about the Jesus that we create because we'd like him to be something a little different than he is. So he tends to look a little like Jesus when the light shines on him, right? But he looks a lot like us and a lot of uh, weird corpses that we sew together to be like, you know what? I'm going to take a little of this and a little of this and I like this and I don't like this. And I'm going to tear the page of uh, patience out of my Bible and give that to somebody else. And um, so I, we make a Jesus that kind of suits us but uh, can't save us. And uh, now Jesus, the real Jesus, loves you just the way that you are. Just the way that you are, he loves you. Frank and Jesus will allow you to stay that way. Only Frank and Jesus, you ready? Puts up with your mood swings. Today's sermon is called Mood Grenades. The real Jesus does not put up with children with bad moods. Now, my personality type, everybody's wondering, I'm glad you asked. My personality type is, are you ready? On the negative side, don't tell me what to think. And don't tell me what to do. If you tell me, like, you know, Pastor, I don't even think that your church could probably do this thing. And then you say it, that's the thing that I will attempt to do. <laughs> it can make no sense. Sometimes God is like, it's great that you're climbing this mountain. Why are you over here? And I'll be like, because so-and-so said that I couldn't. And he's like, I don't care. I didn't tell you that you should. Why are you over here? Because they said I couldn't. And then they tried to tell me how to think about it. And I'm like, I don't think about it. Okay, okay, okay. Canadians, you have labeled God a sinner because we will give up everything. And the last thing that a Canadian gives to God, are you ready? Is their mood. Is their attitude. You're like, I don't have an anger problem. I have an Airdrie driver problem. And I'm like, I get it. They do not know how turn lanes work. Don't stop behind the line. We can get six more cars through. Get your vehicle in the intersection. Somebody's like, it's illegal. I don't care. Don't you dare tell me how to feel. I don't choose my moods. Idiots choose them for me. Now, Frank and Jesus will give you, here's what I call it, a mood allowance. If Jesus is your dad, if Pastor Richard is your dad, you don't get a mood allowance. You get to smile and be happy, orphans. Not to Libre. Smile and be happy, orphans. You get to put a smile on, boy. Now, I'm going to explain hurt and pain and all of those things. Here's what I want to say about hurt and pain. They don't help when you have a bad attitude. But just give me a sec. Now, when you make a Frank and Jesus, he will give you a mood allowance. You're like, well, you know what? You had a bad week. So-and-so hurt you. So, therefore, you can show up late for work. He'll give you a mood allowance. A mood allowance is what leads to a sin allowance. Before you sin, you get in a mood about it. Your mood is what's like signs the permission slip for you to go out and do your future regret. So you would have very few regrets if you didn't sin, and you would have very few sins if you didn't have a mood allowance to lead you to where that makes sense here. Right? Um... But it's not easy to retrain something. You know, Pastor Aaron said in her home growing up, they had all sorts of mood allowances. But they also didn't know how to deal with anything, right? So her dad, she was telling our small group, ran over her favorite cat and didn't tell her about it. And she, like, found it. And then she was so mad, she gave him the silent treatment for three days. And I'm like, you know what my dad would have done? Like, hey, I killed your cat. 
grab a shovel. I'm, I'm sorry. We'll get you another one. Cry. Watch this. Watch this. Cry. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. I'm sorry. Cry. Get over it. Come through crisis closer. No, we're not going to sulk about it. You can feel, ready? Pain, but you don't get to get angry. Hurt happens to you. Anger happens from you. Okay, okay, okay. Have you ever given God the silent treatment? God, I didn't get a husband. I'm not reading my Bible today. I'm going to teach you. You want to talk to me? I don't want to talk to you until you give me a husband. Have you ever not shown up for a small group because you were talking about something? Or because somebody hurt your feelings? Have you ever not shown up for church? Because you were wanting... Some people are like, anything happens, they don't show up for church. I'm like, why are you punishing God? Like, I'm not going to show up for teach you. You make the food, I'm not showing up. Put it in a box, I'll get it after. There ain't no box after. I just made that up. Now listen... Some of us would love the look when you look from the outside into a healthy life or a person who's just joyful. You know, it's funny. The most joyful people in the world are not the people who suffer the least. Have you ever noticed that? It's not the people who suffer the least. But when you look into that, you're jealous of what they have and this healthy thing they've got going on. You're jealous of a healthy family. But here's what I would say. If you grew up in a different home with a mood allowance, here's what I want to say. Just listen. Just lean in. All you know how to do is the other thing. So you're like, I want this crop, but all I can sow is seed. I'm, here's this. I'm bad at having a healthy process, but I'm really good at having a bad mood to get what I want. Now, it does get you what you want for like a five minutes or so. But then it feels, leaves you feeling hollow and guilty because it's sinful. And so it's like this whole thing of like, when I, when I, I tried snowboarding, I wish I'd have started snowboarding because I think it's easier than skiing. But I was somewhat proficient at skiing. In my head, I was better than I actually was. But I'm like, I went from being proficient to trying snowboarding to starting over. And then I realized I went back to skiing. And I think that that's what we do. We come to a healthy church and we're like, this looks great. But I'm better at that. I'm better actually at the bad stuff. I, I, I have skill. I have nunchuck skill. I got bow staff skills. I got skills over here. But I don't have skills at what a healthy process actually looks like and that hard thing to get over it sometimes. Now, can I say this? Listen, I realized about somebody, the Holy Spirit told me, or I figured it out. I was with somebody one time and I realized the only time that they're happy is when they're miserable. That's weird. Then I realized the only time they're happy when I'm with them is if I'm miserable. But I like being happy. Are you ready? Pain and suffering is one thing. But a bad mood is not you being honest. It's you being immature. It's you acting like a child with a tummy ache. We have a saying around our home, uh, good intentions are for seven-year-olds. So like, by the time you're eight, you're on the hook. No, you said it and you meant it. Or you said it and we're going to mean it. There's this thing where it's like, no, you're on it. No, you decide it. Okay, um, are you even aware when you walk into a room of what you bring in with you? 
When, when unhealthy people come here sometimes, I always laugh in the sense of like Christians. I'm talking about like Christians who allow bad moods. They come in here and then they meet Pastor Richard. And I'm like, I'm just like. <laughs> My dad suffered in his life. I asked him one time, why are you so joyful all the time? Because I watched it. I watched it. He's a pastor. I watched it. I said, why are you so joyful all the time? And he goes, well, one day I decided it was better than the alternative. I'm like, what's the alternative? He says, being six feet underground. And I'm like, he's not wrong. You know what? I started cheering up. (laughs) Better than the alternative. Are you even aware of what you bring into the room with you? Of course you are. That's why you do it. That's a bullet I didn't shoot the first crowd with. That's why you do it. Watch. If Christians are like that as a church, what do you like when you go home? What do you like when you wake up in the morning? This is what it sounds like to some of you. You wake up in the morning, it's like, dad's up, and then a grenade rolls down the stairs. And you're like, which dad is it? Oh, no! He's like, you jump on it. You jump on it. It's a nightmare living with it. You jump on the bad mood. Why is he upset? We got to figure him out. He walks in. She walks in. Your teenager walks in. And it's everybody's job to make them happy. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Um, it's like, which dad is it today? What am I going to be allowed to do? Is it happy dad? Is it angry dad? Is it depressed dad? Is it... And we drop this grenade down there. Now, listen. Oh, I had a quote in there. Only Frank and Jesus jumps on your mood grenades. Watch that. Only Frank and Jesus will jump on it. Real Jesus will just let it go. He's like, I'm not jumping on that. If I jump on that, I'm going to have to jump on the next one and the next one and the next one. And I'm not around to be used for your bad moods. So you feel better about it because I, because you hurt me. But with, um, my daughter, Neela is a joy grenade coming down the stairs in the morning. She is the happiest kid on the planet. She comes downstairs, she'll come downstairs and drop a joy grenade and then it explodes with like candy and flowers and everybody's just covered in this beautiful thing. She comes downstairs sometimes and she'll be like, oh, I threw up like 15 times last night, but I'm feeling better now. I'm like, how? You can be sick and not angry at people who aren't. You can be in a marriage that's struggling and not hate the person who made it through the struggle. You can be hurt and wounded and not hate the person that God is healing. Bad moods are the product of losing an internal war. It's only you in there. Now this is the most empowering thing you can hear because it's only you. Nothing external decides your mood. What's happening outside of you doesn't have to happen inside of you. I mean, you know why people get angry? Because we don't have the courage to be sad. You ready? Okay, here's why. Here's why I think. I'm a psychologist. (laughs) I'm like eye contact over here with Tammy. Okay, here's what I think why. I think, I think you grew up in a home without an advocate. Now in my home, we had each other's backs. So my dad would be hard on you about your attitude, but if you, you'd never fall, he'd catch you. You still got to fix the window, but he would always deal with a bad attitude every time. Broken window, mm, 
broken this, mm, broken little brother. He dealt with that too. <laughs> Always dealt with a bad attitude. Why? He was telling me, your attitude is an internal war. I'm going to teach you how to fight it. So that nothing that happens outside of you has to happen inside of you anymore. That you can go through the... David, King David says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, a bad mood allows you to walk around it. Frank and Jesus will be like, hey, you don't have to go through that hard part. Jesus is like, no, we're going to go through it. I will fear no evil, David says, because you are with me. Frank and Jesus is like, hey, let's go around it because I'm not strong enough to handle that. Jesus is like, I'm going to go through it with you and we're going to come out stronger in the crisis. You're going to come out a better person. You're going to come out healthy and whole. I can heal all of this. And you're going to help the next person who's at the beginning of their valley. Now, if you grew up in survival mode in your home, you created moods to protect yourself. That's how you did it. It's like holding up a shield and creating a mood. Now, eventually that mood, when you take it out, it, it becomes like, I'm going to create this mood, not as a shield, but as a weapon, because offense is the best defense. So then I'm going to walk around with, with this, because you didn't have an advocate. Now, you are in the house of God. Now. Let us advocate for you. Let your father in heaven defend you. We got you. We have never left a family relationship because we're not allowed to because dad won't allow it. We're not allowed to hate you because dad won't allow it. We're not allowed to get angry at you when you're all messed up with sin. We're going to be patient. We're going to love you. But we're going to hold your feet to the fire and say, you don't have to do this anymore. It doesn't have to look like this tomorrow. Grow. Let's go. Um, Erase the phrase, I'm in a bad mood because of they. No, you're in a bad mood because you. You're in a bad mood because you want to be in a bad mood more than you want to do all things through Christ who gives you strength. Now, if you're not a Christ follower, be in a bad mood. You have every reason to be. You don't have the right dad. He's crazy. Protect yourself any way you can. Here, our father is our dad. He is our advocate. He will protect us. He will defend us. And if somebody runs over us, then God is going to pick us up and pick up the pieces and make us okay. We'll be okay. I want to talk about something that I call the mutter mood. Mutter, yeah. M-U-T-T-E-R. All caps. Because mutter is like no caps. Like, Somebody says something you don't like. Somebody changes the TV channel. Now, I'm just putting this on because I don't know how to mutter because my dad didn't allow it. Well, no, I tried it. What do you say to your mother? Why don't you uh, come over here? Why don't you say it to her face? Just enunciate. They can't hear you next door. I said that mom was mean. Oh. Well, if she's so mean, maybe you should move in with the neighbors. I told one of, I'm a, an electrician by trade. I told one of our job site leads, he's like, I got a problem with Lee. And I'm like, Lee's a, Lee's a mutter. He's like, he's bringing everybody down. I'm like, send him home. Tell him to come back when he loses the mutter. You got problems, we got problems, we all got problems. You know what doesn't help? It's coming around here and muttering all of them. 
Some of y'all are, you wait till the door shut. You walk down the stairs. Frank and Jesus allows it, but Jesus, Jesus doesn't. He's like, what do you say? You're not happy with what now? Why don't you say it to everybody and actually watch the grenade go off? Watch what it does to people. Moses, last week, Moses reflects the heart of God. He grinds up that stupid golden calf. He burns it, grinds it, makes everybody drink it. God was angry. Moses was angry. Aaron was not angry. Aaron was like, bro. He's like, we're not bro. Grind that calf up and drink it. Aaron did not reflect God's mood. Watch this. Moses carries Israel on his back for 40 years, changes their nasty diapers, feeds them spiritual mush because they were a bunch of victimized. We want to go back to Egypt. Oh, it was so great back there. Joshua goes into the promised land with a group of soldiers and soldiers never mutter. Because you can't complain about something and fix it. You can't complain about it and conquer it. Moses mutters one time in 40 years. One emotional decision. I'm going to show you, you to give an end to. One time, and he's not allowed to go into the very promised land that he led them out of Egypt for. One time. Everybody's like, I want to be Moses. I'm like, I don't want to be Moses. Nobody want to be Moses. Who's Moses? One time. One mistake. You ready? Numbers 20. In the first month of the year, the whole company of Israel arrived in the wilderness of Zin and camped at Kadesh. While they were there, Miriam died and was buried. So three people led Israel, Moses, Miriam, and Aaron, their brothers and sister. Moses, Miriam, and then the tribal leaders who would come under that. Okay, so Miriam, he loses his sister. His sister dies. And he is like deep grieving of like, what do I do now? When all the people are against you all the time, at least you had a safe place. And they had a safe, they had somebody they could talk to and not be filtered around. And, and he's broken and he's hurting. And he's, watch this. There was no water for the people to drink, so they rebelled against Moses and Aaron. Bad attitudes, moods. When you're in a bad mood, it always hits your people at exactly the wrong time. Because all you're doing is thinking about you. I'm thirsty. I'm not. His sister just, their sister just died literally just died and they go at Moses and Aaron. Watch this. The people blame Moses. Blame him for there being no water in the wilderness. If only we had died in the Lord's presence with our brothers. I wish we were dead. If I was Moses, I would be like, wish granted. Go stand on the red X over there. No problem. My sister died. Why are we doing this now? Why have you brought the congregation into the wilderness to die? Right, that's what he did. He's like, I'm going to take him. I don't, Pharaoh can't whip them hard enough. Let's take him into the wilderness so they could die. Let's take him to the wilderness so I can die. If this is hard for you, God is going to set you free today. I shouldn't say it. God might set you free today if you want to. I'm telling you, it's miserable being miserable, y'all. Why did you make us leave Egypt? We were having so much fun. There was water slides. 
and bring us to this terrible place. Joshua and Caleb were like, I remember getting whipped. What are these people remembering? We brought us in the wilderness to die along with our livestock, like our animals and stuff. What are you talking about? Watch this. This land has no grain, no figs, no grapes, no pomegranate. Listen, it doesn't have like chicken McNuggets and like quarter pounders and like quarter pounders with cheese and like quarter pounders with extra cheese and like Big Macs. And it doesn't have all that. They start listing all the things that they don't have. And Moses' sister is still dead. Moses and Aaron turned away from the people. Now watch. Now this is the hard part. Turned away from the people, went to the entrance of the tabernacle. They're like, y'all, we're going to church. We can't even do this anymore. They fell face down on the ground. Then the glorious presence of the Lord appeared to them. And the Lord said to Moses, watch this. You and Aaron take the staff and assemble the entire community. As the people watch, speak to the rock over there. It will pour out its water. You will provide enough water from the rock to satisfy the whole community and their livestock. Moses did as he was told. Okay, but not in the way he was told. Watch. He took the staff, like he started, from the place where he was kept before the Lord. Then he and Aaron summoned the people to come out and gather at the rock. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. Listen, you rebels, he shouted. For some strange reason, God the Father was not angry today at them. There are some times when you need to get angry at sin in your home. For some reason, God isn't mad right now. He was mad before, and Aaron wasn't, and that was Aaron's fault. He's not angry. And Moses is, and Aaron is, because they let their hurt make him angry. And they said, listen, you rebels, must we bring water from you from this rock? Then he raised his hand and struck the rock twice with his staff, and water gushed out. So the entire community and their livestock drank their fill. Listen. Before God had told him to strike the rock. Now Moses is like, I get the striking part. I like that part. I'm angry. This time God's like, speak to the rock. You know what? I'm in a patient mood today. If it wasn't for the Lord's patience with you, none of you would be here. All of you would be crazy, insane people lost in your sin. But for the faithfulness of the Lord. Careful that you're not executing wrath that you haven't received. There are some times as a leader that my mood has to reflect the Lord. And I will deal with things like gossip and stuff like that. But there are other times God is like, I just have decided to be patient. Reflect my mood. Or cost yourself the pulpit. Because this isn't about me. It's about him. Reflecting, speaking his words in the way that he speaks it. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not, you ready? Trust me enough. That's why. My mood is my protective. My mood is my weapon. My mood gets me what I want. Because you did not trust me enough. You can't do what God can do. You wouldn't do it in the way God would do it. You would do all sorts of things God wouldn't do. And we do with our mood. Because you didn't trust me enough. It's a trust issue, son of God. It's a trust issue, daughter of God. Well, if I don't stand up for myself, nobody will. God's like, um, I will. It's a trust issue. You trust me? Well, people are going to hurt me. Everybody gets hurt. This is what happens. When you protect yourself with bad moods, your capacity to conquer hurt and betrayal and shame, your capacity to conquer it shrinks. 
But when you go through the valley with the Lord Jesus, your capacity to overcome and be an overcomer in all things and to be joyful in all things, to be Paul and Silas in jail with stripes on their back, singing praises to God, you'd be like, I don't feel it. They're like, I'm going to feel it. And the whole place is shaken and people come to Jesus and God heals them as they go. And the very people that they saved healed their backs. I'm asking for this. Would you give your moods to God? You're Lord of a lot, but not this. God is waiting for you to give the mood up so that he can do what he's been waiting to do this whole time. The very thing that you have a bad mood about, God's like, I've been trying to get in there, but your mood keeps blocking me. I'm trying to give you the capacity to get up. So you have a problem on Monday, and by Monday night, you're over it. You're good. You're like, no, I'm good. It's okay. I'm okay. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not trust me to demonstrate my holiness to the people... You will not lead them into the land I'm giving them. I don't know about you, but I want to go to the promised land. And I want you to come with me. You know the quickest way to defuse a mood grenade? Are you ready? Jump on it yourself. You're like, it'll hurt. Oh, that's what you've been doing to everybody else. It'll hurt. It'll blow your pride up. And it'll be good for you. It'll feel humiliating, and you'll realize that it'll bring humility. You don't connect with people with a show of strength anyways. You connect in weakness. They'll feel more connected when you admit you did something wrong. I am saying this, I think, by the Spirit of the Lord. You have one relationship that your mood is going to cost it. It's going to cost you. You're going to lose it if you don't give it, if you don't give it up. One relationship, the relationship you probably can't afford to lose, that's where it's going. God's like, hey, I want your mood now. I don't want you to lose that thing. I gave you that thing. I want your moods. I want that. Jump on the grenade. You know, we got to spend a, a couple of days a day with our pastors in Minneapolis this week. And what a blessing that was to us to have pastors and that they took the time for us. Tuesday morning, I'm, I'm in Minneapolis, I'm working on my sermon, and um, God's like, did you want to talk to Pastor Aaron about your, your mood last night? And I'm like, uh, sermons aren't for me. <laughs> I'm like, excuse me, but you saw what she did. And he's like, am I talking to her? So I sent her a text, and this is what it said, because I'm a great pastor. I just want to tell you, I just want to be honest. I sent a text saying, my mood last night didn't reflect heaven's mood. I'm sorry, that's on me. What I should have said was like, but you did the thing and that's why. But my dad doesn't think that's an apology. I don't want to leave with the same mood that I had. And I'm just like, you know, that's on me. That's actually on me. I mean, you want your boss at work to die of shock? You want a different boss? Apologize for something. They'll just die of shock right there, and then you'll get a new boss. You want your spouse to die of shock? Try apologizing for a bad attitude and not blaming it on them. God will give you a new spouse. No, he will not. He will make you a new spouse. He will make you into the person that he intended you to be. Yeah. I earmarked everybody who looked happy at that moment. Just apologize. It'll blow up your pride. 
It's good for the soul. Not by power, not by might, but by the spirit of the Lord. God never uses you when you're in a bad mood. He'll only do something in spite of you. Because he still fed the people of Israel out of that rock. God will work in spite of you. If I fail here, God will raise somebody else and work in spite of me. But I want him to work because of me and through me. But God will never work through me when I have a rotten attitude because where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom and there is joy.